let us uh, just, just stay there just for a moment as we welcome everybody in, logging in from their home and those that are here with us this morning. Father, we, we're so grateful that we get to be here. Let's just, right where we are, let's just thank the Lord for what we're singing. We're singing, you can have it all, Lord. You can have it all. You can have everything. That's really where we're going this morning, to give God everything, our identity, our purpose, our heart, and our vision for ourselves. God, you can have everything, everything. You can have it all. Father, let this morning be a time of being together to give you glory and to give you everything. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You may be seated. And uh, for those uh, joining us at home, we're glad that you've been able to join us. Um, I know that it's getting pretty tiring and weary. I, I certainly feel um, the need to gather to gather uh, with, with the Lord's uh, beloved. And uh, nevertheless, um, we want to continue to follow guidelines and honor our government. And, um, and so we're going to keep doing this. Hopefully, it'll be uh, sooner than later that we can get together, but... I want to uh, let you know that uh, there's a couple of things going on to help us get connected. Uh, today, there will be a kids um, Zoom gathering at 4.30. So any, any you have children, part of the kids work here, we're going to be gathering together. Uh, my wife will be leading it with Katie Shaw. They're going to be meeting at 4.30. And uh, would love for you guys to uh, be able to get that to join us in, uh, for that call. I believe we're going to send the Zoom call, uh, uh, the Zoom information uh, very, very soon. Now, uh, we also have a very special month coming up in the month of May. Um, unfortunately, uh, we were supposed to have people from uh, different ministries and, and, and missions organizations coming here and visiting us to talk about uh, God's heart for missions. And so what we're going to do instead, we're going to, do, um, we're going to have different speakers coming on Sundays. Uh, and, and instead of us preaching, continuing through the sermon uh, to our uh, Gospel of John, we're going to have some of our brothers uh, come and share. And they're going to send us some of their pre-recorded sermons. Nevertheless, we're still going to have church on Sundays. We're going to have worship. We're going to have a Word of God. But it's going to be Missions Month. okay? And so we're excited about that. I hope you are. We have a lot of different things coming up. That we're gonna, uh, I'm gonna send a video out to, to let you know what we're doing. So again, kids Zoom happening today at 4:30, and I think for the next three weeks, you're gonna be an email on that. And Missions Month, which is gonna be a time where we are gonna be gathered together and focusing on God's heart for uh, for for mission, for His mission to our home and the world. Amen. All right. So if you have your Bibles with you, if you could go to the Gospel of John. We're going to go to John chapter 1. We're going to continue our series in the Gospel of John. Uh, and this morning, our passages will be uh, John chapter 1, verses 19 to th through 28. And really, it's a lot more than 28. We could do a lot more. But I think what would be helpful for us as we begin to look at the life of John the Baptist, or in the Gospel of John, the John the Witness, we want to split these into two or three different sermons, simply because there's a lot there that we can uh, look and learn from the life of John. And so let me begin by reading the passage uh, and then um, tell you where we're going this morning. Amen? All right, so let's read. Go with me to John chapter 1, verse 19 through 28. And it says this, And this is the testimony of John, when the Jews sent the priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? 
He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, and the, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they have been sent from the Pharisees. Verse 25. They asked them, Then why are you baptizing? If you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet. Uh, John answered, I baptize you with water, but even among you stands one who uh, you do not know, even he who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am unworthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. Amen. And so you have uh, some notes that I laid out for you. Maybe they'll be helpful, uh, just in case you want to skip around and look at different things with me. Uh, but let's just say, let's, before we begin, let's just say this. Let's just say that John had already alluded, okay, to John being not just a, a, a bapt, uh, somebody who's baptizing, but somebody who's a witness, right? You can look at this at John 1, verses 7 and 8. But the question for us here is we begin, look at that first verse. This is the testimony of John. Okay, that word simply means the witness. This is the witness of John. The question for us is, what is the nature of his witness? What, is, what do we mean by this? Well, we, what we mean by this is a public confession. It's the fact that John here begins to talk. We don't just see John baptizing, but we, he, we hear John speaking. And in fact, we see him, before we see him interacting with Jesus, we see his declaration of Jesus. See? Because when we talk about declarations, when we talk about confessions, these are a sign of allegiance, of loyalty to a message. Now, if you remember, uh, I don't know how many of you remember the Pledge of Allegiance as children. Anybody did that when you were, yeah, you did that, right? Right? You used to get up there in the morning, and you used to just stand there and say, I pledge allegiance right, to the United States of America, for which it stands one nation under God. Right? You know it, because we all have pledges in that way. And each week, children from the U.S. place their hand over their hearts, right? look at the flag, and do this. Of course, we don't do this now. Maybe kids are missing that now. They want to do that. <laughs> but nevertheless, you know, all, of our, all the nations have this, some type of confession, some type of pledge. See, confession is actually an essential uh, part of the Christian life. It's an essential part of who we are. In fact, in the first four centuries of the church, there were a lot of confessions. People were asking, how, how does the Trinity work? What is the Trinity? Who is Jesus? And so the, what the church did is they created confessions, certain, certain creeds that they would uh, declare and they would confess, such as the Creed of Nicaea. The Apostles' Creed, so on, so on. Now, the necessity of confession is not absent in the Bible. Okay, uh, turn with me to Matt, Matthew uh, chapter 10, verse 32. Matthew 10, verse 32. Confession was a central part of the Christian. Look at this. It says, so everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. You know what the word acknowledge means? Confess. Whoever, so everyone who confesses me uh, before men, I will also confess before my Father. Confession was a central role in the Christian church. 
In Romans 14, 11 says, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to, the, to God. See, our faith is a confessing faith. The culmination of Christ's work for us, what He did for the world, ends with a confession of who Christ is. And so here, here is kind of where we begin here. Faith is not just something we believe, but it's something we confess. Romans 10.9 puts it this way. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. But with your mouth you confess, you profess your faith and are saved. Why are we hitting this point of confession here? Because John, is, it is exactly what John is doing. He's confessing who Christ is. In fact, we see that he is confessing who uh, he is not. He is confessing who he is, and he is confessing who Christ is. Now, for us, that may be a very uh, surfery, uh, uh, objective view here. But, but the fact is that many people today do not want to hear the truth. In fact, I have, the, I have this on my notes, that some people uh, believe something called moral relativism, which is simply the belief that morals... And truth are, are relative to you. Whatever you think truth is, that is what truth means. So when you say that there is one truth, there is one Savior, you're rejected. Norms, the things that we think are normal, are, are, are rejected. Because we believe in our own truths in our own lives. And so John's confession in these passages tell us who he is not, who he is, and who Christ is. And here's the purpose of this is so that we don't just see John as this great, incredible witness of Christ, but as a man who knew Jesus. He didn't just come to preach a message. He was a man who knew God. And when you know Jesus, you know yourself better. The significance of our life here is not, it's not, it's not upon you knowing yourself better. It's not upon you becoming a better you. But it is upon knowing Christ and Christ even more so today than you did yesterday. You do not know yourself apart from knowing Christ, and you do not know Christ apart from knowing yourself. And this is exactly what we're going to see here this morning. And so as we look at these passages, I want, to, I want us to be reminded of what is your confession of Christ? Who are you? Who is Christ in your life? Is he, is he Christ above all? Is he, is, can he have it all, as we sang earlier this morning? Or is he just a helper? He's just somebody on the side. That's what we're going to see this morning in John's confession. Amen? Let me pray. Father, I ask you this morning, Lord, that um, you may help us see that the gospel is about you and not about us. That, Lord, everything you give us is so that we can give it back to you in praise. Father, I pray that uh, even as we look at these passages, we may be reminded, Lord, that everything belongs to you and we're here just to confess you as our Lord. We're here to live, Lord, and to, and to be witnesses of what you've done for us. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit, Lord, may guide us and may speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Look at this. Look at verse 19 with me. Look at how verse 19 ends with one question. The delegation begins to ask John, who are you? Who are you? Okay, now to answer this question, and I think I might have some slides up for you, uh, go, to, go to Luke chapter 1. Okay, now again, John could have said a lot of different things. 
John was not a new a, new, a newcomer to the story. He was one who was prepared for this time. Okay, uh, go to Luke um, chapter one, and let me just read to you, just to show you this to you in Luke uh, verse fifteen. And if you know a little bit about uh, Luke and uh, how John came to the story, you'll know that um, he had a mom and a dad, Elizabeth and Zechariah, and God had chosen this priestly family. Uh, priestly simply means that his dad had a function in the temple. Uh, he had a very important role, well-known, uh, a studier of the word, somebody who presented sacrifices in the temple. Um, you know, it was like a preacher's kid, if you want to say it, call it that way. Uh, he was a kid who would have known the rituals of Jerusalem. Yet before he was born, he already had an identity. And, and look here in, in Luke chapter 1, verse 15. I'm just going to read a couple of these to give you some context. But look at what John could have said, okay? Because they're asking him, who are you? He's coming into the scene. They're asking him who he is. Look at verse 15. This is Luke 1, verse 15. Um, and here's the angel. Actually, let's look at verse 14. The angel's speaking, and he's telling Zechariah who John is going to be. And here's the angel saying this. Verse 14. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Okay? He, for he will be great before the Lord. Let's just stop there for a moment. So John, as he's asked this question, he could have said this. Um, he's the son of a Levite. He's the son of a priestly family. He was miraculously conceived in a barren woman's uh, womb, long past her childbirth. Okay, that was, that was Elizabeth. He was a great man. He was a great man before the Lord. How great? Uh, in Matthew 11, Jesus, and maybe you know this, what did Jesus say about John? Anybody know this? He was the greatest man born of a woman. Okay, up to that point, that's who John was. Okay, now think about this. You have Abraham, right? Isaac, Jacob. You have all these guys. Moses, David, who was a man after God's own heart. Jesus says this about John. There's no one greater than John. So, so think about this. Who are you? Right? So, so he was a great man of God. Being great came along with a great relationship with God. He was great like a prophet of God. So John could have said what? I am I'm a great prophet. He could have said that. I am great. What else could he have said? Look at, look at what he says right after that in verse 15 again. Um, it says, he must not drink wine or strong drink. He will be filled, watch this, with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Say, what? You ever thought about that? That the Holy Spirit can reside in children, even from the womb? That's a powerful statement when we think about the aspects of, of life. Amen? But that's just a side note. Uh, here we see the uniqueness of His greatness. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit. There was another time we were here about the filling of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit is poured out upon people. Well, guess who's getting that poured out Spirit? John is at birth. Okay? Today, we use the Holy Spirit uh, to talk about this, this, you know, I'm getting chills type of thing, Right? Well, for John, this was the presence of God at his birth, in his mother's womb. That's powerful. So, so, so John could have said, I am a great prophet. He could have said, I am, I am a man of power. I have the Holy Spirit empowering me. Okay, look, look at verse 16. What else could he have said? It says, verse 16, And he will turn many, children, many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. Okay, so he will be a man of reconciliation. His work will be spiritual in nature. He will deal with the hearts of God's people. He will bring hope and joy to the people of God. 
Again, think about it this way. Here's John. He could have said, I am the one that's going to bring reconciliation. I am coming to bring peace. Okay, lastly, verse 17. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Lastly, he will be a great prophet. See, in the Old Testament, Elijah had had an incredible role to proclaim to the people of God the great salvation of God, to prepare the people in a national crisis. Elijah said some disturbing things. People felt like they needed to be comfortable. They needed to hear a message of hope to make them feel better, pat them in the back. The only trouble is that people like to feel that way, and they get comfortable. So Elijah came to awaken them and tell them, wake up. God is coming. And so this is exactly who John came to be. John John could have said, I am the one who's going to make these paths straight. I am the one that's going to make these roads for the Lord straight. If the delegation was looking for credentials, I mean, think about this, right? John had them in spades. Credentials to match those of any prophet who had ever arisen in Israel. Okay, so as we begin to look at just this brief verse here, I want you to think about the context of all the things that he could have said Yet, many of us today thrive on accolades, don't we? Because he does not say any of these things, right? We're going to read what he says. What does he say? Look at verse 20. Let's do 20 through 22. He confessed and did not deny, but confessed. Look at that emphasis. You guys catch that emphasis, right? He confessed, did not deny. He confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? I am not. Are you the prophet? Uh, And he answered, no. And he said to him again, watch this, who are you? A second time. We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? So here's what I want to say that many of us today, and I mentioned this earlier, just a little uh, briefly, that many of us, I think, want to have that moment of importance. Many of us want to have these accolades where people get to hear what we've done. People get to hear who we are. In fact, when we, they tell us about how Christian we are and what do you do, we like to say how, how much we pray. We like to talk about all the things we do for God. We want to declare all these things about what we do when, in fact, we're confessing more about ourselves than Christ. You with me so far? Right? Because we like the accolades. We like people to notice what we do. And that's exactly what we see the opposite of John. John says, first thing I'm going to say this, I am not the Christ. Right? Many of us feel like we're saviors, don't we? We could do it on ourselves. We can go ahead and get something moving if we just put our mind to it. Nevertheless, here, I, I want to begin here because our confession does not begin with us. Our confession of our life and of our mission begins with Christ. The multiple choice options are in line with Jewish expectation. Okay, I, I, I'm going to summarize briefly, but there, were, there was an Elijah to come. In Malachi 4, 400 years of silence, they were waiting for this Elijah to come and to bring hope and salvation to Israel. In Deuteronomy 18, Moses said there will be a greater prophet that is coming, and you will listen to him. So, so here, here's what they're saying. Are you the Elijah from Malachi that's supposed to be coming? He said no. Are you the prophet from Moses, from, from back then, the, the one that Moses spoke about? Because you're doing some crazy things. And, and, and what do you say? And I think I have it on the slide there. But he begins by saying what? I am not the Christ. I am not. I'm no. 
Because he, he is elevating. He's, he's, uh, his answers are getting shorter. He's saying, no, I'm, not, I'm nothing. I am not the Christ. See, John's testimony and witness begins with a definitive denial in his, of his place in redemptive history. Now, um, you know, I, I, I'm not saying, I don't want to say this. He's not being falsely humble. And I know I'm not saying that we should say, oh, I'm, I'm no good. I'm, I'm a good for nothing. But here is the point that in comparison to Christ, we truly are nothing. That we owe him everything. Your house, your family, your life, he can take it all in a snap. We owe him everything. Our confession is that we are not Christ. We do not have all it takes. We don't have all our eggs in a row. We don't have a perfect life. And so therefore, we don't confess those. We confess Christ. We confess that we are not Christ. We cannot save ourselves. Now this goes against our reflexes because this world is about me and denying ourselves is costly. Yet our confession begins by humbling ourselves uh, uh, before God and who, he, and who He is and who we're not. All right, so, okay, let's take a look at verse 23 and 25 here as we move through John's confession. So here he answers, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. So here we go. He's saying who He is. Make straight the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah said. Verse 24, here we, get, here we get who sent them. Right? We said the Jews at the very early in verse 19. Who are those Jews? Look at verse 24. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. The religious system. Think Jerusalem. So they're in Jerusalem and they're sending a caravan to the desert to talk to John. Okay, verse 25. And they asked them, why are you baptizing? If you're neither Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet. Right? So, he, so he's answered, I am not the Christ. I'm nothing that you say. But he's doing some religious uh, rituals that speak of Old Testament, that speak of purification. See, the wilderness of Judea, and I think I have a picture here uh, of my time in Israel. We, we got to pass through some of these locations. The desert is known for its rugged landscape. It only has a place for refuge or hiding places is, is where um, David would go to hide from, uh, from Saul. It was for those who seek solitude and isolation throughout uh, the, its history. John the Baptist lived in the desert, in the wilderness, until the day of his manifestation uh, of Israel. Okay, a far cry from safety and comfort in which we live today. So here's what I want to say about these passages, just right briefly. John does not proclaim his message from the safety of his temple. Uh, John does not proclaim the message from the safety of the synagogue. But instead, he goes to a place that represents the wilderness, the spiritual desert of Israel. John was such that he viewed himself as nothing more than a voice, a voice shouting into the emptiness of a barren land. Look at that statement that he says. What is his voice crying out? Make straight the way of the Lord. If you're making something straight, it means that things are broken. It means that things need to be restored. This was a quotation from the Old Testament. You can read more about this in the notes that I have for you. But at the very least, we want to say this, that John was coming to make the hearts ready of people. He was going to prepare people's hearts, kind of the forerunner, beginning, the opening, uh, if I could say, the opening scene of Christ's coming. John quoted uh, this Old Testament prophecy, indicating that the Messiah was indeed going to come. Was indeed going to come. John was the Isaiah of the New Testament. Think about that. 
If you know a little bit of Isaiah, you know his cries for repentance. And so uh, John the Baptist becomes that person crying out in the wilderness. Notice again that God has sent John, a prophet, outside the religious Jewish system. John would meet the Jewish people in the wilderness. He would call them to the wilderness to meet Jesus. That is, again, very uh, antithetical to what uh, we believe here about how we receive this message. This message of reconciliation was not preached from a pulpit or a nice platform, but from the wilderness. Who is John? He lives in the wilderness. He's just a voice. He's not the main act. He is the second. John is a voice. Now think about this confession, right? One, he's not the Christ. That's his confession in the first opening verses. Then he says, but I am someone. I am just a voice calling for repentance in hard places. So I want you to think about who do you say you are? The importance that you play on your own life. The high view that we have of ourselves and the low view of God in our daily lives. The times that we don't ask God for help. The times that we simply do what we want and we don't say, you know, I think I got it all figured out, right? Don't we say that all the time? If I just, if I just, you know, you're type A like me sometimes. If I do this, then this is what's going to happen. And if I say that, then that's what's going to, and you begin to create this world of comfort around your identity and view of yourself. When really, it's not about you. It's not about who you are, but it's about who he is. And so John knows very well his confession, who he's not and who, uh, and who he is. Okay, look at, now let's, let's go here in verse 25, verse 28. And so they ask him, okay, you can hear some, I don't know if you can hear some frustration in what they're saying here. They ask them, then why are you baptizing if you're neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? Here he goes, John's answer. I baptized with water, but among you stands one who you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across Jordan where John was baptizing. See, the reason why um, they approached John is because he was taking part of a religious ritual named baptism. Now, I know that baptism to us, it's kind of, I mean, it's a Christian thing. And, and you know, we kind of came with it. John kind of brought it up. But, but not really. If you do any, any form of religious studies, uh, you'll know that there was always ritual washings of some way. Uh, clean from filth. If you wanted to be clean from filth, it required you to be clean, be washed, whether it is hands or anything on that sort. And again, I have some passages you can, you can look through. Uh, you can look at these ritual washings. But the symbolic washing and purifying was woven into the very fabric of Jewish culture. A Gentile was necessarily unclean for the fact that he never kept part of the law. Therefore, when a Gentile became a proselyte, which simply means he wanted to become a Jew, okay, if he wanted to become a Jew, he had to go, undergo three things. First, he had to undergo circumcision. Ouch. Right? Um, for that was the mark of the covenant people. Two, he had to, a sacrifice had to be made for him. Okay? He stood in the need of atonement, just like anybody else. But thirdly, he had to go baptism. Okay? It was symbolized through the washing of water. So Jews, Jew, Jews were doing this thing as well. But the baptism was in the name of the church, if I, uh, you know, if I could say that, in the name of, uh, of, Jew, of, of their Hebrew roots. They knew, uh, the Jew knew baptism, but the amazing thing about John's baptism is that he was already a Jew. Think about this. He is a Jew. Did he need baptism? Not really. He was dedicated. He was circumcised. 
He was asking Jews to do the same. He was asking Jews to do what the Gentile was supposed to do. See, Jew might be, might, might be, uh, is in exactly the same need as a Gentile is. Uh, I don't know if you see, but uh, I don't know if you notice this, but, but John is breaking down religious paradigms of his time. If you need to repent, you know where you went? You went to the priest. If you need to repent, you go tell the, the, the priest, yeah, the priest and, and offer a sacrifice for you. But John's saying this, now you've got to come to the desert and repentance is going to happen with the water. And it's going to happen through you confessing your sins. See, the, the, uh, he's changing uh, this, this, this view of faith, of Christianity, one from uh, religion into true relationship with Christ. He says this, you need to repent and be baptized. What a paradigm shift. Repentance means to turning away from something, from changing our way of thinking, our view of our own life. The preparation for the coming king uh, of Jesus involved repentance. To confess Christ means repentance and change. Look at, again, look at verse 26 and, and 27. It says, I baptize you with water, but among you stands one who you do not know. Even he who comes after me, and I love this, the strap of whose sandals I am unworthy to untie. John could think of no better way to express how infinitely high and exalted Jesus was above himself. He did it in this way. Students in that society were expected to, to do for their teachers whatever, whatever the teacher asked for them, except one thing, taking off their shoes. Think about that. Taking off their shoes was what the peasants did when you walked in, when you walked in the house. To take off someone's shoes was a servant and peasant task, not the role of a religious uh, up-and-coming star. But John was saying that he wasn't even unworthy of doing that task. Think about that for a moment. He wasn't even worthy of doing that, which no one did except the lowliest of slaves. How often do we complain about what we have and what we don't have? How often do we grumble? I don't deserve this. I'm much greater than this. Does God not know what I've done for him or what I have? Oh, look at me. I'm so special. John is saying this. I'll do whatever it takes. I will have no personal motive here. I'll push, I will not, will not push my own agenda. In fact, I'll do whatever meager task you ask of me, O oh Lord, because I am worthy. I am unworthy of your service. This is, this is, man, this is radical in 2020. I remember a, my first interaction with this idea of humility. There's really a, a heart of humility here, but I think much more a high view of Christ and a, and a correct view of ourselves. But I remember one time having um, the first pastor that I ever had in a Portuguese church, wonderful man of God, uh, sweet to me, always speaking and calling me and checking in on me. And I remember one time I caught him um, in the church cleaning. There was a, a flood. And he was cleaning uh, the, the basement. And I remember, you know, wanting to get some snacks like youth group, you know, youth group kids do. Uh, and, and I see him through the window and I see the, the, the lead pastor, the head pastor, telling him he's not cleaning enough, that he's missing a spot. And he's over him and he's just, and I could see there's, there's this, there's this argument. Or, or there's, and I sense, and I just go, nobody talks to me that way. If somebody r- tells me where to clean and how to clean, if I'm helping you out, I'm gonna, you're going to hear it because I'm just doing you a favor, right? I remember the youth pastor uh, sitting there cleaning, and he just kept saying, I'll, I'm sorry. I'll try better. I, I want to serve this church. I, I, you know, I love this. And I just heard him say that, and then he, he left, and, and he kept cleaning. And, I, and that always stuck with me because I just, I just said, 
I would never do that. I would never serve under tough circumstances. I mean, isn't that what we say that all the time? Right? That's just too hard for me. That's just too low of a task for me. But yet, uh, this pastor uh, did that. I remember always impacting me of a model for serving people. When nobody's watching, when there isn't a paycheck, when there isn't people applauding you, this is... This is Christianity. This is the faith that we believe in. And this is because we serve Christ. He is the one watching. I heard once of a young mentally handicapped man with Down syndrome washing at a urinal, okay, without a wet dish towel, not even wearing rubber gloves. He didn't consider himself humble. He was just proud of doing the job, right? That someone had been willing to pay him to do something. For us, this is shameful. It's embarrassing, Yet, if you know who you worship and who you are in that light, you'll thank God for the fact that we have webcast, right? You'll be grateful of the fact that we have something going on. See, you will be thankful for everything He's given you. When you get to see who Christ is and what He's done for you and me, you get to see yourself rightly. This is who Christ is. He's greater than us. He is worthy of everything that you have. And you are not as worthy as he is, right? Uh, let me read to you um, as we kind of wind down here with these passages. Revelation 5, um, 11 and 12. Revelation 5, 11 and 12. And I'm just going to read this to you. And, you know, you probably don't have to go there. But uh, I'll read this. Then I looked up and I heard around the throne of the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. See, everything that we're um, teaching in the Bible, everything that we, the reason why we gather, the reason why we're together, the reason why we pray, the reason why we worship for one thing, it's not for you. (laughs) It's because He is worthy. Amen? Because he is worthy of receiving all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. This is exactly what you see in John. If I could say this, John already has a Revelation 4-5 view of who Christ is here on the earth. Now, I know that's hard to capture because COVID, because our life gets hard, because finances are tight. But we need an eternal perspective of where this is all going. And for us, we need to think of who Christ is. We need to think of who we're not. We need to think of who we truly are. Later in John chapter 3, John would say this, He must increase, but I must what? Do you guys remember that? Decrease. This was John's preaching. He is greater. He is coming. He is more. He, he, he must increase. I must decrease. What we need more of in our pulpits and in our circles is a sermon that makes God higher than ourselves and doesn't bring God equal to us. You guys with me on that? Right? Amen? That's the problem. It's that here's where we are in this carnal world, fallen world. We said we're going to bring God to our level just so that we can get, 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 you know, like each other. No, no, we can't. He's here and we're here. And it is the cross that brings us with Him. This is against our culture saying that we must decrease. This is against our motives, against our desires. Because He tells us one thing, that this life is not about you. I want to end our time by reading you a a confession. It's a prayer, really, but it's a confession 
of St. Patrick, and this is a famous prayer from St. Patrick, but uh, I really love it. It reminded me this week of how many times I, I put myself in the picture and I forget about Christ and where he is and who he is. It says this, Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I rise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. So here's our application for this morning. Seeing John's life, what he's confessed, what he said, who he's not, who Christ is, who he is and who Christ is. Do not make your life more important than Jesus. Do not make your life more important than Christ. You're loved by Christ. Jesus came to rescue you. He, he came here to, to defeat sin. He came to die for you on the cross. He came to give you what you did not deserve. He has given us gift, His Spirit, His local church, the Internet, <laughs> right? His people. He's given us time, space, a home. Yet all these things are not for you. All these things is so that we turn back and look upward. All these things are so that we see him as greater than what he is and as more worthy than us. I know our pride can, can play in this. I know that because we do want it to be about us. We do want to be embraced and hugged. But the, but the Bible will, not, will have none of it. You will not rob, rob Jesus of his glory. And so let not the cares of this life or complaints in your life change your confession of who Christ is. Make your confession about who He is. And so let me pray as we go into a time of worship. Forgot to shift our focus from our discontentment, our problems, and remind us of, of who we're not, who we are, and who Christ is. Maybe you're in a desert place. Maybe you're in a place where you're just unhappy. Maybe you're in a place where you simply do not know if you hear God anymore or you're just not feeling this thing in your life. Well, I, I want to tell you that, that Christ is here for us only when you see Him first, only when we turn our gaze to Him, when we change our confession that He is greater than us. Amen? Let me pray. Father, I pray that Your Holy Spirit may fill us in You, Lord, with, and encourage us, God, to um, encourage us, Lord, to remember all the times that you've been faithful to remind us all the time that all the times that um, we needed to hear a word and you came at the right time and you saved us with your word father i pray for all those people lord this morning who need a word from god who feel alone who feel like i don't know who i am i just don't know i'm not as hungry as i used to be i just I don't even know who you are. Father, I pray that this confession of John, that he is not the Christ. This confession of John, that he is not Elijah, he's not the prophet. That in fact, he's, a, he's not worthy of untying the sandals of his master. That Lord, we may, that we may remember that as we think of ourselves. That it is when we see ourselves rightly that we see Christ rightly. That he is above us. He takes care of the of all the grass in the fields and the, and, and the um, 
and the bears in the and the bear, uh, birds in the air, Lord, all these things He takes care of. Wouldn't He not take care of us? Let us see Christ highly above us, that we may truly understand ourselves and understand Him and love Him again. In Jesus' name.